Good day, uh, Matthew. Uh, great to see you again. Uh, thank you very much for having uh, Dr. Bill Pearson and myself on your show. It's uh, we're pretty pleased with uh, developments to date, and uh, looking forward to talking to your audience about uh, where we sit. We've had a a quite a, a a price appreciation in the last few weeks in regard to uh, our share price, uh, share cap valuation. We are in a trading range from, you know, three fifty Canadian a share to, you know, four dollars for at least seven or eight months, and uh, we finally broke through with some great results that uh, the our tech our tech team, uh, led by Dr. Bill and also uh, Dr. Oswaldo Arce down in uh, at ISCA ISCA on site. Uh, very very pleased uh, with the development and progress. Of where we sit, um, Bill, Dr. Bill will go through the significance, especially of the latest uh, drill hole, one of the largest holes to date, probably the largest hole to date, uh, over 300 and well over 370, well 370, 375 meters at uh, at least 170, 170 plus silver equivalent. However, I mean, I, the, I, we believe that's still open, but Bill can get into that. Uh, I think that's what's sort of opening things up because now we're starting to see that this tin porphyry uh, area could be actually, you know, proving to be reality. So, uh, yeah, we're very, everything uh, seems to be moving well. The price of tin uh, has done exceedingly well. I think it's close to 40 Forty-five, forty-six thousand dollars a ton right now. Uh, that's you know over twenty-one, twenty-one and a half dollars a pound. We're coming in with uh, you know in some zones of our drilling, it's showing well over 0 0.4, 0.5, which is equivalent to eight, ten pounds of of uh, tin in what we call cassiterite deeper down, and you know that translate in, translates into you know, 160 to 200 dollar rock per ton valuation. It's, it's quite. You know, this has really nothing to do with our our upper zone, the MRE area, being Santa Barbara, where we're working to come out with our inaugural MRE uh, report, which hopefully we will see second quarter okay. of this year. Tom. Exciting times. Exciting times. Tom, thanks for some introduction and recap. I think um, just to remind people, we'll put a link below to the uh, detailed technical analysis that uh, we went through with Bill back at late October uh, of last year. Please check the link below. That was a super, super interview. Um, so Tom, before we before we get stuck into um, what, what's happened with Bill, um, you, know, you referenced it. You've been a really sharp uh, uptick in the share price. I mean, like, it kind of looks like strange. I mean, it can't just be down to one hole. What, what, what's going on? Are you out there marketing or have you got someone coming who's come in here? I mean, it's it's exciting times, but wow. Well, again, I mean, the way our company has always been structured from a share cap scenario, it's a, we've always been very, very uh, conscientious of the share count. Uh, we're, you know, we're at 63 million shares outstanding. You know, we raised over 30 million well financed, no debt, still have in excess of 10 million in the bank, Canadian. Um, so, 
you know, and a very strong uh, shareholder roster. And I do believe that, you know, a lot of the legacy shareholders at much lower prices probably sold some of their, a lot of their positions over time. And that's why I sort of discussed this sort of eight, nine month uh, channel between three forty four dollars you know, some people get a little impatient. Uh, the assay results took, you know, that was frustrating for, for all of us uh, because of the lab backup issues with COVID. That's now changed. We're, we're dealing with uh, a lab ALS, finishing lab in uh, actually in Galway uh, that are now picking up the slack for us. So we're starting to get, you know, more more news and more news flow is is getting the Aloro name back out there. So, you know, look at people are realizing that uh, there could be a big, a big sec, you know, a second MRE, a, a tin based MRE coming out. We call it, we would call our first one in the upper area domain one and uh, the, the tin potential domain two deeper down. And the sheer size potential of this system is, is, is now being realized that where we discussed empirically about it uh, for many months, it's starting to show, you know, it's uh, that this is, could be reality. So yeah, I think people are, are starting to realize how undervalued this company is. But the tight share structure helps for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Well, like, um, we, when, we, when we had the conversation back in October um, and we kind of got into it, you, you talked then about um, the scanner and, and IP server and, and, and the need for that. The need for it for a couple of reasons. One, to kind of establish the grade and potentially also help with the scale of the opportunity in front of us. So in terms of what's happened since October, what, what do we need to know? A lot of drill results out, some good grades in there, but so what? What do we what do we what do we make of it? Well, what we make of it is it's given us that encouragement to become even more aggressive in moving forward in, and start drilling these deeper targets uh, underneath the upper edifice of this uh, of Isca Isca. And so we you know we we've mentioned to the market that we're bringing in a, a third surface drill, so we'll have four one underground, three surface drills, and we're now aggressively you know move advancing. This is Dr. Pearson's. Uh, sort of strategy, yeah, build out the initial MRE, but keep the exploration going for bigger targets and bigger tonnage to prove up stronger, you know, share cap valuation, to back up share cap valuation as we move uh, upward, which I believe we will be. Okay, so um, any, any sense of the timing of that um, new MRE? Um... Well, I'll leave that with Bill, but, you know, we're aiming for second quarter. Okay. Whether it's May, June, I don't, you know, I'll leave that with Bill. There's a lot of work going on. You know, we could delay this even longer because of the advancement, especially on one of the latest hole that's deepening the Santa Barbara area in closer to the tin, uh, that magnetic target. Where, but we're going to stick, I believe, with the, the initial parameters of the, the, what we've drilled out that's illustrated on one of our slides. Um, so, you know, look at where we're, we're moving at the same pace. We started, we resumed our drilling campaign in January. We've drilled over 4,500 meters since January. I mean, the pace is amazing uh, with Leduc drilling. And so there's lots of news flow coming in. Uh, Dr. Bill needs that, uh, those old assay results that were taking time for the initial MRE. 
uh, we're starting to get all that data in. So we should get that MRE out second quarter of 2022, the initial upper level Santa Barbara uh, area. Well, that, that, that's fantastic news. Um, look, Bill, why don't, we, why don't we come over to you? Um, because um, I think one of the, 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 the thoughts that came out of the last conversation was the fact that you, yes, need to understand the, the, the grade and potential scale of this with the expiration component um, still very much in the mix, but also the metallurgical distribution. So um, can you give us a little update on, on what you've learned since October through the drill bit? Yeah, well, I, I think the simplest thing is let me go through a few slides here because it's yeah, sure. easier no to explain to people with a little bit of uh, visual. Uh, so, Amina, if you could pop that first slide up. So, you know, as your readers are aware or listeners, um, <laughs> you know, I've talked about this for some time. We're in this really remarkably huge caldera complex here. And you know, my exploration philosophy, and, and as same as for Osvaldo, is we've always focused going along here on understanding the system. Because if you understand your mineralizing system, then you get more and more efficient at targeting holes. So, you know, 15, 16 months ago, we started out with initial drilling here in the Wawer Chasm portal. Uh, we did some surface drilling. We've done underground drilling from Santa Barbara. We've done some step-out drilling uh, around here. And at the start, we had a few intersections here and there. But now what's happening is with more drilling, with more geophysical work, uh, with more geological modeling, uh, we're starting to develop a much, much greater uh, understanding of, of the enormous scale of this whole system, but also in the distribution of, of, of metals. So this gives you a, a sense of the lay of the land here, our big target over here in Santa Barbara. Uh, there's excellent potential, as I'll show you, down under the Porco area. But when you stand back and look at this thing, you have a massive volcanic edifice that probably this system goes for some four kilometers on a long strike, about 2K wide, and is probably extends more than a kilometer at depth. The remarkable thing about Eskaeska is that the entire volcanic system is preserved, and you have all these huge breccia pipes, these massive explosive features that have not really been identified anywhere else in uh, uh, in Bolivia. So there's there's some unique characteristics to Iskiska, but at the same time, when you look at the metal distribution, the types of metals, et cetera, a lot of commonality with its more famous neighbors in, in southern Bolivia. Uh, go to the next slide. This is a, a general overall geological map of the caldera. Um, so you have, you can see this main caldera in the middle and then you can see a couple of secondary ones, one to the south uh, east and one to the northwest. This red dotted area is the focus for our initial mineral resource uh, estimate. So that's where we're drilling. We've got pretty good drill coverage in right now. We're starting to get a lot more assays together. And we have this big Santa Barbara breccia pipe, which is about 800 meters by 500. 
uh, central, which is more of a tin silver target, and this Porco area, which as I'll show you is is looking like a very, very tantalizing target. And well, while, you know, our focus has been this mineral resource area, uh, the recent results we had from DSBU3, some of our other holes indicate that you, you can basically pull this whole thing down and bring it down right under the Porco area. And the one thing that's really important to notice at ISCA, ISCA is the scale of the system here. You can see the bars here, two and a half, 2K. This thing is huge. This target area that we're doing our definition drilling in is 1400 by 500 wide by 600 meters deep. So everywhere you go in the system, everything is well mineralized and huge. Uh, next slide. Now, this is one of my favorite sections because I, all through my career, I've always tried to capture the essence of a project in, in a slide, in a drawing. And to me, this is the one that really jumps out. You can see that this is a, a longitudinal section right through our definition drilling area, right down through Porco to the south. And... This is our, our magnetic inverse model. Now you can see the green up here, there's oxide sulfide. This green area, everything's leached. And that's the reason why historically this deposit was never discovered because if you sampled at surface, you didn't get anything. The other thing was the style of mineralization wasn't like Cerarico. Cerarico is God's gift to artisanal miners because Everything occurs in narrow veins or vein breaches. Whereas here, this is very much a bulk tonnage type system. So you can see that the magnetics indicate that there's likely a giant tongue up here. So it's it's rooted down here in a tin porphyry. And of course, the exciting part of DSBU-3 was all of a sudden we're into a huge tin intersection. So our prediction of a potential tin porphyry down here driving this whole thing is looking more and more uh, better every day. And of course, there's a large anomaly in the Porco area and most of our drilling in Porco was too shallow to hit this. Uh, we also have some tin silver in Central. And up in uh, Santa Barbara, you can kind of think of that as the frothy top of the system. And you can see here, we this is where we're getting silver, zinc, lead, and tin. But as we get deeper down here, we lose the zinc and lead. We still have some uh, silver, but the tin starts to become more and more dominant. And down in the Porco area, like in the Porco added, all of a sudden we start getting gold and copper mixed in with silver and tin. The Porco added. Uh, which we sampled over 100 meters at 0.6610, quite extraordinary. Uh, in fact, I picked up a vein sample in there. It was about a foot long, must have weighed 30 kilos. You could use it in your weight room. So the, and, and then the basement here is Ordovician Quartz Sandstone, which is not magnetic. So this is an important image to, to have in your mind of how we think this ISCA-ISCA complex 
developed. So in our initial drilling, we're concentrating in the top, which will be our mineral, initial mineral resource. But now we're starting to move down into this system and really starting to validate our magnetic inversion model and our geological model that, hey, there's, there's a big, big tin porphyry down here somewhere driving this whole thing. Uh, next slide. So this is a more detailed map showing the drilling we've been doing. Uh, you know, initially we started out with radial drilling, which was great at the start because we didn't know where anything was. Uh, we have now moved to uh, sectional drilling here. You can see we've done a number of 100 meter space sections here, uh, really right through the whole part. And this is giving us much better feeling for um, the continuity of the min mineralization. And we also have done a lot of downhole IP. Um, the thing is that when you have sulfides, you get a very strong, what's called a chargeability effect. And when you look at the different profiles down the holes, and we're doing two kinds of, of downhole IP. We're doing actual measurements down the hole, which will let you see maybe 25, 50 meters off the hole. And we're also doing cross hole measurements that give you an idea of the distribution across the hole. And what the IP shows you is this is one giant continuous body in terms of electrical property. So even though you see some variability from hole to hole, when you stand back and look at this whole thing, uh, it's really remarkably uh, continuously mineralized. So DSBU-3, which is another signature hole, and it's interesting, it comes one year after we put out our first big hole, which was DHK-15. That was drilled off the west end of uh, Wawarkaza Southwest. That was the one, our big hit, where we had 129 gram silver equivalent over 257 meters, which incidentally adjusted to current prices is about 171. That's how much the value has increased. Uh, so a year later, we suddenly got DSBU 03. And what 15 showed us was, wow, this Santa Barbara wretched has huge potential. And what DSBU-03 shows you, which I'll show you, is there's more to that than just the frothy top of that magnetic uh, model. Uh, next slide. So I want to just show you a slide here that gives you a sense of the remarkable distribution of, of metals here. You can see the full presentation on our, our website, which gives the details of our top 12 intercepts. But this is a nice visual presentation that shows you uh, the relative importance of the of the metal components here. So we have four major metals here. We have silver in the red, tin, orange, zinc, purple, uh, lead, and red. Uh, we have gold kicks up here and there, and we have some other, which is mainly things like uh, bismuth, uh, cadmium, copper. So you can see how important tin is in certain holes, especially the deeper ones, like this is DSBU03, uh, by far our biggest intersection. 
And you can see what an enormous portion of the value tin is. There's uh, some lead and zinc in the upper part of the hole, but tin dominates. Now, if you go to our discovery hole, DHK15, you can see that uh, tin is less important, but zinc suddenly is very, very important. And then we have holes like DSB07, which is in Santa Barbara, where silver bec becomes quite important. So there, there's quite a bit of, of zonation here, but when you stand back and look at the overall picture, that frothy top in Santa Barbara basically is a silver, zinc, lead, tin, polymetallic system. And when you get deeper down into DSBU3 and environs, all of a sudden you're losing your lead and zinc and you're looking at primarily tin with some silver. So as Tom mentioned, while we've been focusing on the Santa Barbara area, the exciting thing about DSBU-3 is it's starting to open up the fact that this tin porphyry that we've been talking about for a long time, but in a more theoretical sense, all of a sudden we're starting to get the drilling evidence that this magnetic model, the inverse model, is actually seems to be a very accurate predictor um, where major tin mineralization. So you're essentially you're looking at two projects in one. Uh, we're finishing off and actually for the most part just waiting for assay results from Santa Barbara and then we're shifting our focus towards uh, defining this really exciting uh, tin opportunity. Next slide. So here's a, a cross section here that shows DSBU uh, 3 here uh, drilled at minus 50 to the west. We also put out some very good numbers earlier on, on uh, DSBU-1, which was drilled to the east here. So you can see if you look at the purples are greater than 110, and actually the grades here are much higher than that. You can see there's a very, very high grade area. And if you look at down south in the Porco Adit, which we released in the fall, this is channel sampling, and the Porco Adit is 200 meters south of where we drilled. It's actually in the sediments adjacent to the system, but you can see the incredible mineralization. These are pictures I, I took when I was underground in November. You can see the massive sulfide here. You can see the stock work, obviously, with lots of copper, and look at these grades from channel sampling, uh, 117 grams silver, 1.44 gold, 0.54 copper, and a remarkable 0.66 tin uh, for overall 520 grams of silver. So again, from a geological point of view, this is telling me when I get down to the south end towards Porco, I still got a massive, massive mineralized system, which I barely uh, tested. Uh, next slide. Now this is the drawing that really, really is very exciting. And when I've showed this to people, they start to realize the magnitude and importance of DSBU-03. So this is the inverse magnetic model. Uh, this is calculated from the surface data. 
there's quite an involved mathematical process that goes through, but essentially what this model does is create a model that is the best fit for likely, which likely generated the magnetic pattern you see on, on surface. So you can see DSBU03, this, is, this hole is drilled west. I'm looking southeast in this drawing. You can also see our Porco radial holes here. And you can see obviously that these were short. In fact, there's only one hole, DPC01, that clipped the edge of the model. And lo and behold, that was where the best values came in. But you can see that DSBU03 went through the northern tip of this thing. You can see the purple here, which is so high. And what was really exciting for us is <clears throat> our big intersections in here, especially the high-grade part we reported, well, that's right in where this purple is. So in essence, this is kind of like the tip of the iceberg here. And you might ask, well, why is the tin showing up as being magnetic? Well, there's only two magnetic minerals. Magnetite is one and pyrotite is the other. You certainly don't get magnetite in this environment. It's a very high sulfur environment. Uh, in the upper part of Santa Barbara, where you get tin and silver and lead and zinc, that's associated with pyrite, which is non-magnetic. So the, the Santa Barbara part doesn't show up in this magnetic model because it's not magnetic. But as you get deeper down and we start we lose the zinc and lead and we still get some silver, but not as much, but tin goes up dramatically. The sulfide changes to pyrotype. So we see pyrotype when we get high grade tin mineralization. And one of the remarkable things about DSBU03 is we actually had samples in that hole that were up to Highest was 4.1% tin, which is remarkable. In fact, the sample next to it had 3.05%. So you can see why this is so exciting. And, and you can say, well, yeah, it's a magnetic model. You know, they have their, you know, they, they have their limitations. But when I see something like this, and we planned this hole to cut through our magnetic model here and bingo, we're getting our values exactly where we expected them. We get the best stuff in DPC um, three where it clips this model. It's giving us a lot of confidence that this model is a pretty good predictor of the potential for tin mineralization. So right now I have a, a hole, uh, it's, it's collared downhill from our radial drill platform to go through the guts of this thing to see what we get through the middle and, and the intent will be, we'll do some more step out holes because the more I can validate this model, um, the more potential here I have to show that this has got the potential to be a true uh, tin giant. And I think this realization amongst people I've talked to and have read the press release is why the stock price has jumped. We're on the edge of something I think has the potential to be very, very special. The other thing too, you got to remember 
is when we say, oh, this is deeper. Remember, I'm in a, this amazing volcanic edifice. There's one kilometer from the valley to the peak. So even though I'm deeper, I'm still above the valley. So if you look at a future mining scenario, you could easily come in from an added on the side of the hill and, and do this from underground. So Izgadeska has taken a very interesting turn in the last few weeks. Essentially, we're looking at two major huge deposits. We have the, the silver uh, tin polymetallic in Santa Barbara. Uh, we will certainly uh, produce a significant mineral resource there. Uh, we're going through all the, I've got lots of work going on there. Uh, we're doing metallurgical testing. We've got a structural study going. We're doing modeling of the downhole IP. Essentially, every tool we can throw at this thing to better understand the nature and distribution. Um, you mentioned the scanner originally. Uh, that should be down on the on the property by the end of March. We're currently working on calibrating the AI in it because it will be enormously useful in mapping out the mineral and metal assemblages uh, and and that will strengthen our our, uh, our, our resource model. How, how, so, Bill, how long will the that, scanner be in operation for? What's it going to take, two, three months? I don't think it'll ever leave Bolivia. It'll just stay there. <laughs> okay, okay. But in terms of like getting, getting that first picture for you, what, 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 how long are you going to run it? Well, it'll, it'll run 24 hours a day. And we'll just, the, the, the goal eventually is to scan everything. Okay. Um, okay. Because it, it's, the, the scanning technology has evolved immensely in the last sort of four or five years from being sort of an interesting um, uh, sort of conceptual concept to being uh, reality. And what's really exciting is that we've done quite a bit of analytical work. Uh, we used a procedure called uh, the synchrotron. Um, we're also doing uh, a very high-end mineralogical studies at STS. So we can put all that information into the artificial intelligence there, which will help out map out the distribution of, of, of metals here. And once we, and more so than we can do from, you know, sort of conventional logging, which gives you a good, uh, good base. So that'll be up and running, um, you know, the end of March, the metallurgical sampling is, uh, or testing is, is in progress with Blue Coast. Um, and let's, you know, and let's, and Bill, let, let's explain that to people as well, because I, I, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, which, which is about the metallurgical distribution, and you, you've mentioned, you know, this is two projects in one a, a couple of times um, during the explanation here. So the metallurgical distribution is important because why? Does it tell you how you eventually mine this project? What, what, what's, what's the importance of knowing it now? Well, it's a critical element as part of your resource estimation because for to define a National Instrument 43101 compliant mineral resource, you have to show that your, your metals have the potential to be recovered. So firm definition is, and, and we're looking here 
largely at its inferred uh, resource, because obviously our drilling is relatively wide-spaced at this time. So there's two key factors. One, it has to have economic potential. And in order to assess that, you need recovery. So, you know, it's fine to say, hey, I've got whatever percent metal there, but can I recover it? So we're doing that work. Um, there's certainly no doubt that the from the geology and the geophysics, we have the geological continuity. The other thing that's a prime factor is, and, and it was recently changed in 43101 in 2019, uh, it has to be an inferred resource that you reasonably expect most of it can be upgraded to indicate it with further drilling, which is certainly the case here. Now, interestingly, one of the samples that I put into the metallurgical testing, we we did several. Uh, we used hole 15, which is in the mineralized breccia. We used hole DHK 18, which is in the mineralized envelope. And I put in a third hole, which was DSB6, which is a deep hole from our radial drilling platform on Santa Barbara that was drilled at minus 80 to the south. And it had an intersection in there of 0.43 grams, or sorry, 4.43% uh, 4 tin over 73 meters. Now at the time, that intersection to me was seemed to be out in left field, like where the heck uh, did this come from? Well, after getting DSBU-3, it's pretty obvious that we're on the northern tip of this massive tin zone. Um, so the metallurgical testing we're doing uh, on that at Blue Coast uh, will give us a pretty good indication of the tin because the mineralization is, is, is fairly similar. We also drilled a couple of metallurgical holes. We we put the results out of one, uh, our, our second met hole, which was very, very good, continuously mineralized over 303 meters. So I'm very confident that our, our samples will give us a good idea on metallurgy. So um, once I get all the drill assay results, and as Tom mentioned, they're starting to come back with much more regularity, which is great. Uh, how, how many are outstanding? I, can, uh, I think we have about... 13,000 meters outstanding now, but that's pretty good considering I went into the, the new year with over 15. I did 5,000 more meters of drilling and my list shrunk. So that's a good sign. And, okay. you, you know, the last couple of releases have been five or six holes, um, except obviously for DSBU03. Um, so that's a good, uh, good sign. So I'm, I'm not worried anymore about getting the numbers back. Um, we certainly will get that. I have Mike on going over the model because one of the things I want to see is is to figure out how to interpolate it, but also look if is there areas where we need to stick a few more holes in. We still have time to do that. Right. And having the extra drill gives me, you know, sort of more flexibility. Absolutely. So three on the surface, uh, one underground. So the, with regards to, people are asking about, obviously the the, the MRE, the main resource estimate, um, you will be looking at some potential infill drilling and some expansion drilling for that. 
Um, is, is that right? Is, is, can you tell us about the type of drilling? Well, I, I, I think we probably have pretty good coverage. Okay. But I, I, you know, basically what we'll do is uh, an internal model to figure out where we are. And uh, I would characterize it more as where there are opportunities to put a few holes to expand things. Because really, uh, we still have, it's such an enormous target that although we've got pretty good coverage, uh, especially in the eastern part of the uh, Santa Barbara uh, pipe, um, you know, we'll make that assessment. I still have a, I still have some time to uh, stick a few more holes in if they'll make a big uh, uh, difference. But, Absolutely, you know, and, and the money. Certainly, yeah, well, we're okay in terms of uh, money right at the moment. I think we have about. Uh, what is it, 12 million or so in the bank, uh, Tom? Well, 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah. 10, 11, so we're, we're, you know, our, our, our burn rate has been pretty consistently around a million US a month. Uh, it'll obviously go up a bit with uh, the additional drill, um, but not substantially. So, uh, I, you know, I, I've done a lot of resource work over my career. And the, the trick is, is rather than doing your drilling and then going and doing your resource and hope you've covered all things, is I work closely with whoever's doing the resource. We figure out how to interpolate it and figure out, um, you know, if, if there is areas we need to stick a hole in, we will. Um, the other thing that helps us immensely is the geophysics because one of the key parameters is is there reasonable geological continuity between holes well geologically it's pretty obvious there is um, but the geophysics uh, really amplifies that because instead of just looking at your drill core and your assay all of a sudden you can get a 50 to 100 meter radius around the hole and, and certainly everything I've seen from the Geophysics so far indicates uh, electric con uh, electrical continuity is, is excellent, which is telling you the sulfides are there all over the place. And uh, if you look at resistivity, which of course is the measurement of a resistance to current, there's virtually no resistivity because there's sulfide everywhere. So um, it, this is an absolutely remarkable system. I, I mean, I've I worked in this business for 47 years. I've run major programs in 18 countries. I've worked in every province except PEI. I've worked in all sorts of systems. I've had some big successes like big extension at Jacobina. But I have never, ever worked on a system where after 80 holes, we have had not one blank hole. Every drill hole has multiple reportable intersections. In fact, the last couple of press releases, I've, I've been splitting up the table because the result tables are so long. <laughs> that, you know, it, it's really, really remarkable. And one of the things I comment on is, you know, we've got lots of 20, 30, 40 meter, 70 meter intersections that nobody pays any attention to. Well, most projects, that kind of intersection people would die for, you know? So this is an absolutely remarkable system, um, no question about it. But the exciting thing about DSBU 3 
is that we're starting to get the proof that the concept we've been talking about for ages is suddenly shifting more towards a reality. And it's obviously a no-brainer if we can validate our magnetic model, hey, that's mapping out where this potential tin porphyry is. Um, we're off to the races. So that's kind of where we are right now. Tom, it sounds like it's time to go and acquire some more land. Um, so we did acquire, we have, I believe, eight, nine other uh, properties uh, that we, you know, we basically did a, um, some ge well, we're about to uh, commence on some geophysics on those properties. We did an aster survey, I think about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and did pick up some very interesting signatures and have locked some of those up. Uh, we are, believe me, we are uh, very well sort of endowed with other properties close by. Uh, but Iska Iska is where our focus is. And, uh, you know, it, 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 there's there's just so much new information that seems almost, you know, bi-weekly coming out with this. But to answer your question, we have land, other land. Good. Well, like Tom, I um, appreciate, appreciate the update, guys. I'm just sort of conscious of time here um, that... It stay in touch. Let us know, especially if it's more more uh, results like you've been seeing recently. Um, this project keeps giving and giving. So uh, we will see you soon, Matthew. Thank you again uh, for your support and and your. Uh, it's been very helpful. You've been there since the beginning. Uh, after our drill campaign, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Absolutely, all the best.